you or someone you love have scoliosis? Are you wondering what's next? What is life going to be like from now on? Or is this even a big deal? Hi, my name is Dave Butler, and welcome to the Scoliosis Experience. We are here to talk with real people, both patients, parents, and providers, to bring hope and clarity to the road ahead. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of the Scoliosis Experience podcast. Today we talk talk to Lisa, who is one of our amazing scoliosis patients. We talked to her specifically about her diagnosis when she was a teenager, progressing to bracing as well as surgery. She has a little bit more in-depth surgical history you will hear about. And she talks a lot about trying to figure out how to treat her back specifically and she learned that she needed to do more scoliosis-specific exercise and has been able to really take the reins on on treating her scoliosis since she learned that. We talk about needing to slow down with exercises and be more in control. We also discuss how her being active has helped her to not have as many issues with scoliosis. She did have back pain during her life and that affected her ability to be active, but she is a great example of staying active even though you've had significant scoliosis history. So this episode would be great for anyone who is looking at being braced, anyone who's looking at surgery, but specifically adults with scoliosis who want to do something about that scoliosis and not let it control their lives or define them. So hope you enjoy this episode, and here's Lisa. So hi, I'm sitting here with Lisa. Lisa is one of our amazing scoliosis patients, and she has quite the journey, quite the experience with scoliosis. So I asked her if she would share some information and some thoughts and uh, I think I'll let you kind of introduce yourself. Give us some background on you. Okay. Um, I am 47 years old, a mother of four children, and I grew up in Oregon and then have lived in Utah for the most part since going to college. And I was diagnosed with scoliosis at the age of Mm -hmm. 13. It is something that is genetic and runs in my family. How, how far in your family, like how far back where, how, how strong is the force in your family? Well, my mom has pretty severe scoliosis and we Mm -hmm. don't really know how far back, but Mm -hmm. going forward, we have identified the genetic mutation so um, (laughs) we are seeing it going forward in children (laughs) it seems to happen that way right you were diagnosed at 13 so yeah yes so fortunately so far none of my children have been diagnosed with scoliosis I do have a 19 year old son that had the pectus excavatum Mm. surgery that is related to scoliosis and he has Mm -hmm. a very very mild curve but no limitations because of it. Cool. All right, so you're diagnosed at 13. Give it. Give us a little bit more of the story. What, what um, happened? Okay, so I, my mom had watched for scoliosis because of her severe case, and so when she noticed that I had a curve, it was time to go 
see the doctor. Very quickly found out that not only do I, did I have scoliosis, but I would get the opportunity to wear a back brace. Lucky you. No, not so lucky. No. I was not happy about it. Mm-hmm. It was, I was a 13-year-old that really cared about how I looked and my image, and a back brace did not suit that <laughs> portrayal that I wanted to give. And it also, so not only did I find out I was going to be wearing a very uncomfortable back brace that had the bars that came up around my neck, so I couldn't hide it with clothing. So you had a Milwaukee brace. Yes. Ah. I couldn't remember the name of it, but that is it now that you mentioned Uh that. uh So I had a Milwaukee brace, and I was also told that I basically would not be able to participate in most of the activities and things that I enjoyed. I was not allowed to run. I was not allowed to jump. Hmm. So at that time, um, again, we're talking about over 30 years ago, um, the attitude towards scoliosis was a lot different. So it was a death sentence. Yeah, we don't stop you from running and jumping and (laughs) and that anymore. So that that is quite a bit different. I was told that I could swim. Which I have mm-hmm. learned as I got older that swimming probably caused some other issues with my back. But mm-hmm. at the time, it was the one activity that I could participate in that I did not have to wear my back brace. So you did that a lot. Oh, I did a lot of swimming. <laughs> you swam as much as possible. I so guess. I was then on a swim team after that. And it was my it was my break from the brace but it also was just something that I felt free and enjoyed the water so I to this day still have a very much love for water because it was my chance to kind of put scoliosis on the sideline you were free from the brace and from thinking about scoliosis while you're in the water that's great yes so that was really fun okay cool fast forward just a few years Mm -hmm. back brace was a waste of time (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it did some good, but I hit that point that I was going to have to have a spinal fusion. How many years were you in the brace? Three years. Three years in the brace. Okay. So those wonderful junior high years and the beginning of high school. So brutal. brutal. (laughs) I I remember the stairs and that Mm -hmm. was really hard. Adults were pretty good and peers and my friends forgot about it. But little kids always noticed and I hated the stairs. So yeah. I look back and it stinks and I um, I just remember wanting to kind of pretend it wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. So I was actually looking forward to having surgery. The upside to surgery meant that I was near the end of wearing a back brace. So that was a good thing. And at the time, the they had just introduced the two rods. But I was a tiny little thing, and so my doctor also was new to using two rods, so he decided to only use one rod. So, Which is what they used before the two rod. Correct. Right. And that was what he was comfortable with. I My curve before surgery, I want to say it was about a 65 degree, mm-hmm. and it was in the thoracic. I was a C curve, and they were able to correct it down to a 30, low 30s. And then I had to wear a back brace for six more months. and After the surgery. After the surgery. Okay. And then I felt like this chapter in my life was over. <laughs> at least at the time, I thought it was. Finally, after three and a half <laughs> years, right? 
So I got to say goodbye to the back brace and that went in the dumpster. Someone asked me if I wanted to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) I can guess what your answer was with that. Yeah, there was no need to keep that thing. I do have a few patients that kept the brace from when they were an adolescent and and surprises me that, that some of them do, but yeah. So it was not my friend. I was very glad to say goodbye. And I was excited to participate in all of the activities I was not allowed to do with a back brace. I was I was doing an aerial within a, a month or two after that. Wow. After getting out of the brace. Yes. Because yeah. I couldn't do... I was fused, so I no longer could do the back bends or... Anyway, I was mm-hmm. extremely flexible before. So at least I could mm-hmm. do the aerial. That was a big checkup, you know... Like, I can still do things. I water skied, I learned to ski, um, mountain biked, anything that I could do outdoors and with friends, I was game. And you haven't looked back since. You're still active and, and doing crazy stuff, so Well, I am active, but then there was what no one told me is that mm-hmm. scoliosis is still part of you, even especially when you have a fusion. Right. And... So I did have some minor back pain and issues in college and realized that because of my leg discrepancy, it was important that I wear an arch in my shoe. And Hmm. so when I was a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ and walking around a lot, it was important then. So I did wear the heel insert and then over the next few years it disappeared and I kind of forgot. Hmm. I felt great, so I didn't think I needed to do anything. When I was 29, I had my first child. And again, I thought I scoliosis was a chapter that I had closed in the past, and I didn't realize that scoliosis was still part of my story. How did that pregnancy go with, uh, with having scoliosis? <laughs> Okay, so this actually is a good piece of information for anyone that has been fused with pregnancy. Right, and this is actually a question that I get asked by patients who just have scoliosis or who have had surgery. So, what advice? So, first of all, I was fortunate in the fact, I think, between being in decent shape and having that rod, it kind of gave me support. So, Mm -hmm. I didn't have any back issues during the pregnancy, but... With the epidural, it didn't take the first time. Hmm. And it was with some scar tissue with the fusion. And so I was able to, I did fine with the first one. But the next two pregnancies were where I started having more difficulty. Hmm. And those two, well, I had big babies. My second child was born a week and a half early at eight pounds Six ounces, seven ounces, eight pounds, seven ounces, 22 inches long. It's a big baby for, for you. Yes. Obviously, this is an audio podcast. You can't really see Lisa. She's not a large individual. I'm only 5'2". <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a big baby. And so she had, because of scoliosis, um, she had been in the birth canal with her head down, and she moved because she was so big, and there wasn't space, and my back didn't give. So I had a C-section. Hmm. And with my third child, about six weeks before he was due, he also had been in correct position, but then turned because of space. He was a 21 and a half inch, 815. 
Big babies. So I have big babies, and so that one turned into a... He had his foot in the birth canal. So it was... Fortunately, everything went well with C-sections, and um, it was just kind of the downside to having scoliosis. My last baby was tiny, or I shouldn't say tiny for mine, 7'3". <laughs> That's and... what my kids were. So, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I could have... My husband was deployed... Could have had a VBAC, but yeah. um, with him being deployed, we had had another C-section. And after having four babies, I started having some back issues. Hmm. So that's when you started to notice the back more was after after the babies. After baby number four. Okay. And spe- yes, that's when it really became aware that there was something more going on. I was having back spasms and... I hadn't really experienced any back issues since I got my brace off. Hmm. And I went to a physical therapy and they showed me some exercises. And then they told me after a few weeks, I don't know why you're not feeling better. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of just thought, okay, I guess I'll just keep doing these exercises at home. I'm good. And... I am trying to remember at what point I realized things were worse and something needed to be done. I saw, so I saw a neurosurgeon and with some x-rays and things realized that I was no longer a C curve. I was an S curve. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. So my guess is pregnancies and my body tried to be symmetric. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It tried to even it up (laughs) with another curve on the bottom, right? Yes, and I also had what's called PARS defect. Mm-hmm. So the little knobs on my L5, I don't know what the proper term. We'll go with that. The the PARS is what it's Is called. that what those uh-huh. are? Yeah. Oh, I just know mm-hmm. it's PARS defect, and it's, I think of it as the little knobs. Mm-hmm. And they had broken off or worn off. They don't know if it's a genetic or what had caused it. And so um, L5 and S1 were pressing against each other, and there was nerve damage, and he told me I probably would need surgery within six months to a year. And I didn't like that idea. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do everything I could to avoid surgery. So I fought through pain and everything else. And I found doctors that said, oh, yeah, as long as you can don't have bladder issues, <laughs> lose bladder function because really? of my nerve damage, mm-hmm. then I was good. But I really didn't have anybody that was really looking at the whole picture. Hmm. This was the downside. Um, The upside to that is during that time, I started learning more and more about my body and understanding the spine and understanding minute movements. And with physical therapy, most physical therapists just know a general for what works for majority of patients. Right. And it I had met with a yoga instructor, physical therapist, and she noticed that I moved my hip out a little bit. And that was the beginning of realizing there's tiny little movements and posture things that I do without realizing it that are affecting my back. So I did a lot of strengthening and improving and eventually had to have surgery. I was causing permanent nerve damage once I got my nerves tested and I really couldn't stand for very long. I couldn't hold a a niece or nephew. So it really was time to have surgery. 
Right. It sounds like the time to have surgery. Neurological <laughs> compromise. Yes. It was pretty bad. Okay. I should have had it before, but you know, you learn from life lessons. Right. So how'd that surgery go? Um, the surgery went extremely well. Um, they fused L5 to S1 and put a little cage and things in there. Uh, I actually did extremely well with the surgery. Came out of it great. I actually wasn't on pain medicine. I was actually doing really great once I left the hospital. But then physical therapy started three months later. And the realization of so many muscles that have not been used or because of posture and things because of the fusion. So I had a lot of spasms just doing basic movement. So this was how long ago? Two and a half years ago. Okay. So two and a half years ago when I started physical therapy, I had to start really at a snail's pace, not even a tortoise pace. It was a snail's pace. (laughs) And to walk on a treadmill two miles per hour, it was really basic and it wouldn't take much and I would spasm and it was just because muscles with the change of the fusion, muscles that had not been used before um, were being irritated. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I finally graduated from physical therapy and I've made a lot of progress, but I knew I wasn't, there was more to be done. I felt like I have limitations. And then I found a line therapy. Oh, and that, <laughs> and that was recently. That was, yes. what was that like a few months ago? It's been probably at least four months. Four months? I would say. Okay. So in that time from graduating from my physical therapy after surgery, Mm -hmm. I started an exercise program that has been really good for me. Uh, I'm a power walker with incline. I do weights and row. So that exercise has really made a difference. But even with the exercise, I knew there was things that I needed help with form. Right. And I was still getting muscle spasms when I tried to keep up with my family. <laughs> Doing what? So my husband's quite the adventurer. We do a lot of canyoneering, mountain biking, mm-hmm. and hiking, and anything else he could throw into the mix. And so it was after we had done two hikes in a row, and one had been a 12-hour hike. And so I started spasm having spasms after that, which I was happy that I was exercising where I was at, but I knew there was something, there had to be something more I could do. Hmm. So I started reaching out. I started looking into, I went to a chiropractor and looked into their method and doing a little bit of research. I came across Align Therapy because they use the Schroth method. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Well, if we're German, it's scrotes or something like that when i say schroth so yes okay when i looked up online it looked like schroth (laughs) it does does. we'll say that and so i thought oh this sounds like what i am looking for so since coming to align therapy and i also so i have my regular exercise that i do i have my physical therapy here at align therapy And I also still do massage therapy every other week. So I feel like I have a great combination of Mm -hmm. um, activities that are, I'm making real progress and I can see the progress. That's what is exciting about coming here. Right. And 
all those are complementary to each other. It, you're active, strengthening, so we have good muscle to use for postural correction, and then the massage helps to keep things keep things happy. So they yes. all complement each other. And uh, one thing that's interesting, if I can mention something about as we progressed with the Schroth method, it was interesting with you. We progressed fairly quickly at first because you are active and we have good muscle control and and things like that but then we had to back it off a little bit (laughs) because we wanted to get back to the basics and really you wanted to feel what was happening and I think that was a key point with adult scoliosis treatment versus adolescent scoliosis treatment you know adolescents they they don't have much pain and they are more flexible and thing you know their spine can do a lot more things and so we progress them quicker and i think sometimes we do that with active people too but we have to back off a little bit and make sure we have those foundation exercises down yes so. it's, it's actually similar to any time that you do therapy even like speech therapy i had we had mm-hmm. to do with our youngest son and it was going back to the very basics and taking tiny steps mm-hmm. because then you learn what you're missing and it's actually been very eye-opening. I am actually really excited. And I tell everybody about <laughs> line therapy and these minute movements and form changes. And so little things that I didn't realize I was doing. And now I'm getting to the point where, like the other day, I was at exercise and I thought, oh, when I go in next time, I want to show them this exercise and make sure my form is correct and I've slowed things down. And it's okay to it actually I get a great workout slowing Oh yeah. The um muscle group workout. Mm-hmm. And I love that I'm like, oh, I'm you know, I make sure my hips are aligned and my pelvis and um anyway, I am really happy that I'm like sometimes I'll have Someone come over and like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm just taking it slow because my form is really good. I'm doing my physical therapy exercises right. at the gym. And, and that's perfect. That's what we want to see. That's and great. actually today I was at massage therapy before this and she was quite impressed with my upper back that mm-hmm. the tension knots oh, are awesome. not there like they used to be. Right. That I used to grab a lot of stress there and it really, and it is something I've had for 47 years well maybe not 47 we'll subtract the 13 so 34 (laughs) years right ever since having being diagnosed with scoliosis i've put a lot of tension in my shoulders and my upper back Mm -hmm. and i am finally getting to where i could go two weeks and there's no knots there and and it took a little bit to teach though specifically your upper trapezius your shoulder muscles to not jump in with every exercise. Yes, I you know, would. It took ten- a while. I would tense up. Yeah. I get really tight because I was overdoing it. I was trying mm-hmm. too hard. So I'm learning to just have control. Yeah. And um, it's all about stabilization. Mm-hmm. And and that I keep getting st- stronger and healthier. I feel like I'm on a a healthy or lifestyle journey or what I don't mm-hmm. know what you would call that, but. I definitely feel like I am, for being 47, I'm actually getting in better shape and I'm actually improving my overall health. Isn't that awesome? It is. That is is. so cool. 
I'm I I can do this. I'm increasing yeah. bone density. I'm doing all the things. Because five years ago, I didn't know if by the time I had grandchildren that I would be able to hold my grandkids. I could not yeah. carry very much weight without mm-hmm. having severe back pain and irritation. And the fact now that I went and swooped up a child at church the other day that was running away from mom. <laughs> and I did that just so naturally. And it pain-free. There was no That's pain awesome. afterwards for holding this child for 10 minutes and helping him get settled down. And I was like, this is awesome. I couldn't do that a few years ago. Well, and definitely your surgical history contributes to both things. It contributes to the uh, the benefits with the PARS defect surgery with the fusion where those nerves aren't compromised anymore. And the scoliosis fusion, wh- whether or not that kind of contributed to the PARS defect or the lower curve changing, you know, all these things are just players in this journey that uh, some are good, some might not be so good. I mean, it's just a journey and figuring things out and... I actually am so grateful that there's so much more information available now. Mm. I wish that when I was 16, I had been made aware that, yes, I have all these freedoms. It's, but along with those freedoms, I need to be making sure that I'm doing these other activities, that I'm aware of my core and my body position. Mm Mm-hmm. Who knows all the impact I actually clogged for? <laughs> I was Ooh. a little clogger. Right, right. <laughs> and and I, it was just fun, but all of that, you know, I wasn't thinking about my, what my pelvis position was. I wasn't thinking about these right. tiny little, the form. I just thought I could be active and be okay. Right. So if we back up a little bit, when you were diagnosed with scoliosis, you said that a lot of the tension that you've been dealing with later in life, you felt like has been there since you were diagnosed with scoliosis, like the tension up through your neck and through your shoulders. Do you feel like that was some tension related to the stress of the diagnosis or do you feel like it was physically being in a brace? What do you feel like may have sparked that off? Um, the tension, well, I have to admit, I'm not sure so how much of it was from 13 to 16 when I was in the brace. Yeah. Definitely from 16 on, because of Mm. the fusion, Mm. I carried, again, it was posture Mm -hmm. and being unaware that I was disengaging my abs. Mm. So that was the big thing. I had no idea that the fusion, so exercises that other young adults would participate in would naturally strengthen their core. But because I had had a fusion and I held my shoulders back, I thought I had good posture. Mm-hmm. I strive to have good posture when I dance and whatnot. And I didn't, and I was holding my shoulders back, but I was holding them back too far, disengaging my obliques or something in the, I don't know, <laughs> anatomy. In, <laughs> in that region. <laughs> in that region. Yeah. And so I had no, I, I thought I was active. I was okay. And so I really wish someone had worked with me post-surgery and back then and taught me the things that I'm learning now hmm. and it would have avoided a lot of pain. It would have strengthened me and so I would be in better shape post having babies, really. And then participating in activities like mountain biking. It's 
Um, I think that's the biggest thing is I wish I had found this earlier. So that's why I tend to tell a lot of people if, right. if I find out anyone that has scoliosis or their child has scoliosis, mm-hmm. I'm on a soapbox. I'm like, you I really have soapbox. to, <laughs> <laughs> you really need to check out aligned therapy because what I've learned here has been amazing, especially I mean, it's more than what other physical therapies have to offer. Right. How, how was it different from, because you did physical therapy like two other times before the the uh, pars defect fusion and you did some afterwards. I did a lot after. Yeah. So what, what was what was the difference here versus what you're doing before? Again, I think most people, because each curve is unique in the sense of, yes, there's a lot of people that have a C curve or an S curve, but then there's the twist and there's the pelvis or the the leg discrepancy. There's all these factors that go into each person's curve. And just like our DNA is different, our curves are different. And even though I think physical therapy is amazing and, and has a lot of, to contribute to if you go to any physical therapist, but they were missing mm-hmm. my posture and my form because I could do the exercises. I could... And I wasn't intentionally faking it to make it. I thought I was doing what was being asked of me. And I was trying what the best I could with the information I had. And your body had learned to compensate. Yes. And it kept making compensations even mm-hmm. with physical therapy until mm-hmm. like, I mean, <laughs> I can think of so many exercises that I've done over the years that I'm like, oh my goodness, I was doing those so wrong. <laughs> Just even your basic bird dog. Yeah. That they didn't catch my pelvis shifting or my hip shifting out, and mm-hmm. or exercises where I weren't I wasn't engaging my abs, and so I was allowing the benefit of the fusion to make a certain exercise easier, and I didn't realize I was relying on the fusion. I was just doing what I was being asked to do and trying to do the best I could with the information. Sounds like you've learned a lot about modifying exercises to fit your back. Correct. Which, which I think is is key, you know, not not modifying your body to accommodate for the exercise, but modifying the exercise and controlling and being aware of what's going on to fit what you have going on. Because you have a few things going on. I do have a few things going yeah. on. And so, you know, at the gym, I can't run when we did the... I can't run. I don't... I shouldn't say I can't. I could run for a little distance, but the impact is not worth it, the mm-hmm. risk. And so I am a very fast power walker now. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's okay. I, yeah. I think that's what's getting older and wiser saying, hey, it's okay that I can't do this. But there's still so many more things that I can do. And right. even with ab work, mm-hmm. um, there are so many simple modifications to most things that I can do most things. And I think that's... Uh, I don't feel limited by scoliosis anymore because as you get older, we're all limited by different things. Everybody has things that they're limited by. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I'm limited. I can't do a back handspring. Can't do a (laughs) backflip now after the last fusion on the tramp or off the diving board. That's okay. I can still go swimming. I can still beat my kids across the pool. There you go. That's all that matters right there. (laughs) 
So yeah, it's just recognizing that I do have some limitations and focusing on strengthening so that it opens up a lot more possibilities. And and one thing that sticks out to me in your history is you, you have quite the surgical history. You know, there's the the recent fusion, there's the fusion from when you were a teenager, and some might call you a very complex back patient, <laughs> right? Um, and and I think that that sometimes that makes specifically spine surgeons a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, come back when you're ready for surgery, or come back when it's bad enough. Or like you said, when your bladder won't work, you know, (laughs) I mean, was that, was that frustrating to have people say, well, it's not bad enough to do anything or just wait, you know, it it, was that frustrating at the time. It was frustrating. I felt like it was either have surgery, which there's consequences to having surgery and Mm surgery is not always the correct answer for everybody, but they Mm -hmm. can structurally correct things. So it was either have surgery or get pain injections to put up with the pain. These are your two options. Right. Pain injections, structural. Right. And there was no guidance in between. And I actually remember having a conversation with my physical therapist that I had after surgery. And I said, where do I go from here? What doctor do I see? Right. My, my family physician he was willing to do whatever I, if I want pain shots, yeah, I'll recommend you to go here. If you want to go see an orthopedic surgeon, here, you can go see them. But he really didn't have a knowledge or the background to know what to do. The orthopedic surgeon, you go to them and they're going to just tell you, well, we can do surgery again. And there was the pain doctor. I was like, who else should I go to? So I looked into chiropractic even though with my case with being fused, it doesn't really work. Yeah, let's not crack that. <laughs> we won't even go there. <laughs> even though they did want to try something, I was like, eh, right. not so sure about that. <laughs> and um, and then with that previous conversation, it was really physical therapists seemed to have, they they are the ones that are can help you avoid surgery and strengthen. So physical therapy really is the solution and is the it's the it's the medical expertise that can deal with in between the surgeons and the pain doctors mm-hmm. with scoliosis it's really important that you find a physical therapist that knows how to handle scoliosis because yeah they can teach you a lot of exercises but they're going to miss out they're not going to see it's you know they have good intentions yes definitely they just haven't been trained mm-hmm to identify those minute movements and adjustments of your hips and your anyway even yeah. the breathing that's another thing we haven't oh, talked about huge, breathing huge. <laughs> i'm learning i didn't know i have been breathing incorrectly <laughs> for i guess who knows maybe since i was born or at least since i was diagnosed with scoliosis so that's another thing that opening up that rib cage and sometimes i sit down and go i don't I didn't get certain things tested before I started, but it would be interesting to see how much more oxygen I'm taking in, if that's contributing for me, you know, setting right. a new PR with my power walking. Right. <laughs> if we could have a time machine and go back in time, test yeah. you and see where you are now. Yeah, and I think, like you said, I, I, I picture physical therapies, scoliosis-specific exercise specifically, as a bridge between that. 
you know, a lot of times in the, our medical system, it's wait and see. Let's wait and see if it gets worse. Let's wait and see if it gets, if it progresses. But there are still things that can be done. Why not do those while we wait and see? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of my soapbox. That's the soapbox I get on. Well, I agree with you. I cannot believe that I had disengaged muscles for so many years with being active. You mm-hmm. would think that I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. And so my soapbox is if you have scoliosis, you really need to see a physical therapist that specializes in scoliosis. And and so I've actually probably have spoken up more since coming <laughs> here. <laughs> And, I, and it's given me confidence to, to tell my story about scoliosis. It's just a story now. and But it, it's taught me so much. So I didn't want scoliosis to define me. Mm-hmm. I never wanted scoliosis to define me. But it is part of my story. And I'm okay with that now. And now I'm able to help others that have, especially those that have scoliosis, and anyone that has back pain. It's not just limited to scoliosis really anyone that's dealing with back issues mm-hmm. there's a lot you can do there is a ton we can do with backs yes so it's not just scoliosis if you're having back pain it's like physical therapy is where you should be reaching out to your phys- finding a physical therapist and i really love line therapy so <laughs> if you're in utah county or even in salt lake county come to line therapy but yeah, if you're out of state, I would definitely recommend looking up the Schroth method and finding someone that has training in that. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm a little biased, of course, for what I what I like to do. But yeah, just like any medical thing, if if you want a knee replacement, go to someone who has done a lot of knee replacements. If you want scoliosis treatment, go to someone who's treated a lot of scoliosis. It's it's kind of a no-brainer, but um, but it doesn't happen that often. So, well, and I yeah. think it's hard when you start looking online for answers. It's even with all of the background I have and all mm-hmm. the experience I have with scoliosis, it's still really hard to understand. There's so much out there, and so I think the reason I've been on a soapbox the past several months is because I'm, I found something that really has made a difference. And I've also see the progress I've made in such a short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> and so you worked hard at it though. It takes, it takes I work. Do. I, I do practice yes. and I keep trying to implement what I've learned outside when I'm, um, in the different activities that I participate in. So I'm excited to see how you do on a long backpacking trip now. That's what I'm curious about. Uh, so any any parting advice for any either for adults with scoliosis, kids with scoliosis, anything else you want to want to say before we finish up? Core strengthening and breathing. <laughs> Core strengthening and breathing. Good advice. Yeah. Good advice. And cool. Learning to do it properly. That's the key. <laughs> yeah. Not just going through the motions of the exercise, doing it properly. Yeah. I like that. Well, cool, Lisa. I appreciate you sharing your story, your experience, and talking with us today. Well, thanks for having me here. 